I want to break away from our study in the book of Ephesians for today in order to zero in on God's special love gift to Adam and its practical implications for today. I want to go to the very beginning of time as we know it to remember our Creator who fashioned us with utmost care. Let's pray. Lord, help us this morning in this very familiar passage to gain what you want us to gain from this. May there be a readiness to hear from you this morning. May our hearts be eager. Anticipate with excitement what you're going to say to us this morning. Speak through me, your servant, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Imagine with me that you're standing admiring the beauty of a sparkling new automobile. Now, there are some who believe that this car is a result of someone's design, but here is how it really happens. Billions of years ago, all this iron, glass, plastic, fabric, leather, and wires came up out of the ground, kind of like a big bang. Each substance fashioned itself into various shapes and sizes, and holes evolved at just the right places, and the upholstery began to weave itself together. After a while, threads appeared on bolts and nuts, and amazing as it may seem, each bolt found nuts with matching threads. Hope you're catching the sarcasm here. A little later, correctly shaped glass glued itself in the right place. And you see those tires? They became round over the years. They found themselves the right size metal wheels. And they sort of just popped on. They also filled themselves with air somehow. And this car began to roll down the street. One day, many centuries ago, some people were walking along and they found this vehicle sitting under a tree. And one of them looked at it and thought, how amazing, let's call it automobile. Wait, there's more. These little automobiles have a remarkable way of multiplying themselves year after year, even changing ever so slightly to meet the demands of the public. Technically, the process is called automutations. <laughs> now, I borrow that imagery from Chuck Swindoll to show the absurdity of believing we exist by chance rather than by choice. Listen, you were created by God. Now, I assume that everyone in this room accepts that truth. The question is, do you fully appreciate its significance? Who we are is enormously important. It's Mother's Day. Hopefully, it doesn't come as a newsflash to you who should be remembering a mom close to you. But I want to take this opportunity to not only give moms their rightful place of honor, but expand that honor and respect to all women. Contrary to what some people think, Scripture elevates womanhood. The words we find right here in the early chapters of Genesis were in contrast to ancient Near East thought which demeaned the value of women. A woman's equality with man was countercultural at the time that the scripture that we just read would have been read. It was countercultural. So look with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. 
Often, our understanding of mankind begins at chapter 3 of Genesis with the fall into sin. And certainly, the effects of the fall help us to better understand ourselves and others and God's restoration plan. But starting with the fall and our understanding of who we are is like coming into a movie 30 minutes late. I mean, why did God create us in the first place? What was His purpose? The starting point of all human beings was not the random coming together of impersonal elements of matter. It is critical. It is critical that we grasp God's original design and God's definition of manhood and womanhood. All too often, we've taken our cues from culture. A national problem for the last 30 years has been role confusion between the sexes. Much has been lost today as to what it means to be manly and what it means to be womanly. There is a masculine heart that God created. There is a feminine heart that God created which together reflect to the world God's heart. Let's not miss that. We are blessed when we function as God intended. Did you get that? We are blessed when we function as God intended. That is the so what from today's passage and, and today's message. We are blessed when we function as God in, intended. Now, this is a very familiar passage, but my prayer is that we will all come away with a greater appreciation of how important we are to God and that our God made us with dignity. He made us with value. He made us with worth. You are not junk. We are all a work of art. Genesis chapter 2. And before we look at chapter 2, look with me at Genesis chapter 1. Verse 27. Genesis 1, verse 27. It says, So God created man, meaning mankind, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Few things today are handcrafts. We didn't come off a conveyor belt. God created us by his hand. God got his hands dirty, and he handcrafted human beings. Chapter 2, verse 7, it says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. God took some dust. A little boy went up to the pastor after the service and said, Pastor, I heard you say today that our bodies came from dust. That's right, I did, the pastor replied. And a few weeks ago, I heard you say that when I, we die, our bodies go back to dust. Well, that's great. I can see you're listening. Why do you ask, son? Well, you better come over to our house right away, because under my bed, there's either something coming or going. <laughs> well, God, God took the dust in his hands, and he did something highly personal. He breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. Man is God-breathed. God then gave Adam a meaningful job to do. Adam worked the garden. And as we'll see here in a moment, work doesn't solve his problem of aloneness. I guess being married to our jobs won't cut it. 
God then involves Adam in another meaningful task, the naming of the animals. It says in the middle of verse 19 of chapter 2 that God brought the animals to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Now, I don't know about you, but that'd be kind of cool. I would enjoy calling and naming the animals. I mean, uh, let's see, you're an aardvark. <laughs> let's call you flamingo, uh, skunk. You slowpoke, we're going to call you turtle. <laughs> Come on, guys, keep moving. I don't have all day. Now, one can only speculate the spending, that, that spending the hours naming the animals that it might have aroused in Adam a strong sense that something was missing. To this point, Adam's life seems to be rolling along just fine. He's, a, he's, he's in an exquisite garden. He had the continual presence of God. He has plenty to eat. He's in a world of delightful smells and sights and sounds. He had meaningful work, but something is missing in the garden. Now picture this. Here are all the animals around Adam. One sheep, two sheep. A pair of elephants. One cat, two cat. Did it occur to him, where's my counterpart? I mean, the animals are fun to play with and all, and it's kind of cool trying to outrun them, but they, they weren't cutting it as a helper suitable. There really wasn't anyone to share all these blessings with. There wasn't anyone who could appreciate and receive God's goodness and grace. Something was missing in the garden. And the naming of the animals was more than the need to give them names. It was to set up what would come next. For the first time, God speaks of something not good. Back in verse 18, God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. The end of verse 20 says the same thing, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. You see, God not only knows what is good for us, he alone knows what is not good for us. And it's not good for men to be alone. And so after parading all the animals before Adam, he's now ready to appreciate his next gift. Look what it says in verse 21. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Now, there are several ways to find a woman. Here's one way. Have God create one for you while you're asleep. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's going to cost you a rib. <laughs> while he was sleeping, God performs rib surgery. Really, a better translation than rib would be sides. God took some flesh along with the bone. Now, Adam is asleep. He doesn't have any say in this. He doesn't get to choose the color of her eyes or, or her shape or her hair color or her personality. None of that. God gets man out of the way so he can get the job done. And verse 22 tells us that God made, God made a woman. The word made is the word fashioned. It's used of, of builders who take some stone and wood and, and build an edifice of grace and beauty. God took some bone, God took some flesh, and out of that, he fashioned the most beautiful of all his creatures. No one really could argue with that. 
I mean, it's a great story up to this point. But as the late Paul Harvey would say, here's the rest of the story. The woman is the rest of the story. She was created to be Adam's helper. That's sexist, you say. (laughs) Take no offense, ladies. Helper is not a term of inferiority. It's not to be viewed as a a plumber's helper or a teacher's helper. As a matter of fact, the same word helper is used of God in Psalm 33, verse 20. Check it out. Psalm 33, verse 20. Psalm 40, verse 17. Psalm 70, verse 5. And in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6, same word used for God right here that we find help or helper. There's nothing demeaning about the word helper. Being a helper does not mean you are beneath someone else. And I want to say this. If you have treated any woman around you in that way, you need to repent of that. You didn't get that thought from the Bible, but from man-made ideas. Stop that. And calling this woman the man's helper, the emphasis is on what's lacking in man. That's provided for by the woman. Completeness, companionship. See, the emphasis is on what's lacking in the man. The man needed help. Don't don't touch that one. (laughs) Matthew Henry, a Bible scholar of old, said this about God's fashioning of a woman. He said, woman was created from the rib of a man. She was not made from his head to top him, nor of his feet to be trampled upon, but out of his side to be equal to him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be loved. Equal. Hear this. Equal does not mean sameness. But that's what our culture has told us. Women like men are are a work of art by the creator God who carefully fashioned each gender with precision and attention to details. And we are blessed when we function as God intended. There's a likeness, but not sameness. Helper highlights the differences between male and female. Dr. Joyce Brothers said this, I've spent months talking to biologists, neurologists, geneticists, research psychiatrists, and psychologists. What I have discovered was that men are different from women. Their minds are different. Their bodies are different. Men are different from the very composition of their blood to the way their brains develop, which means they think and experience life differently from women. Well, blow me over. What's new? (laughs) Wow, what insight. God already said that. Different. No gray drab world for God. Maybe it's just me, but I have to admit, my world would be pretty dreary if it weren't for the way my wife dresses things up. (laughs) Even me, sometimes. (laughs) What my wife can do on on bare windows of our home with curtains, she can do in my world of plainness. My wife's my helper in numerous ways. Remember, it's helper. Helper, not fixer. Helper. Perhaps you heard the story of the new bride at the back of the church on the day of her wedding. She's a bundle of nerves. The bridesmaid tries to relax her a bit and says, listen, all you need to remember are three things here. Just remember as you walk to the front of the church is to head down this aisle, 
And then you walk down toward the altar. And then look at your groom and look at him. That's it. And so as she walked down, you could hear her saying to herself, I'll alter him. I'll alter him. I'll alter him. You're there. You're there. Listen, it's not your job to alter, to change, to fix. It's not our job. It's no one's job. It's God's job. He takes care of that. And for Adam, here comes the bride. Adam awoke from his God-induced sleep, and here comes the bride before his eyes. He sees this woman, and he says in verse 23, and here are the first recorded words of Adam. He says in verse 23, the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Now that doesn't sound very romantic. (laughs) In the original it says, Wow, what a babe. (laughs) Not exactly. But I do believe he bursts forth in excitement and he says here, At last. He says, this is now, verse 23. At last. You're here. Adam launches into poetry. This is the first of many love songs written to women. Now, I figure Adam kind of has it made here. He, he says, look around, Eve, at your choices, animals or me. But we find in Adam's words a celebration of the bond and equality found in the woman. He recognizes his own likeness in the woman which he did not find in the animals. Earlier in the passage, the word suitable is used to also express this likeness. Helper identifies difference Suitable likeness. There's a likeness. Now the point is obvious, but I'm going to state it anyway. Both male and female are image bearers. In any home, or church, or culture, or age, where men are elevated to a place of superiority and given a place of greater value over women, they have left the Creator's original design. We are blessed when we function as God intended. Both are equal as God's representatives throughout the earth. There is a likeness. There is a likeness in that they can relate meaningfully with each other. There is a likeness in that they can partner together to enjoy and appreciate God and His bountiful blessings. They can share together in the service and worship of God. They can help each other trust and serve and obey God. Men, when we shut women out of our lives, when we stifle them in their use of God-given abilities, or we try to live without their inputs, or we devalue them, something will be missing in our church, in our homes, in our marriages, wherever. Now, I want to leave you with three specific applications for moms and for all women. And men, we need to get on God's side of things when it comes to the women God has placed around us. In our homes, and jobs, and extended family, in the church, and so on. First application is this. You have value for who you are. I don't know if I need to say that. It seems so obvious to me. Maybe you need to hear that this morning. You have value for who you are. 
Just as men can derive their significance in their work, women can find their significance in their kids. But her value here isn't wrapped up in her kids or whether or not she can even have kids. Her value is in her God, the creator who fashioned her, sculpted her beautifully. You're valued who you are. Not necessarily what you do. Secondly, women, whether married or single, with kids or without, teenager or adult, God has prepared you with a specific design. And the world can easily blur that and bring confusion to what womanhood truly is. And what you're going to find liberating is when you take your cues from the Lord. True liberation is when we find out what God says about femininity, which has more to do with enjoying your capacity to strengthen relationships than it does with having a sweet, subservient demeanor. To be woman has more to do with complimenting and completing man by using your strong, relational, and nurturing skills than it does by proving your womanhood through achievements in the world. Now, this may not be politically correct. I don't care. The feminist movement, while having some very good intentions, diminished an honorable, although underappreciated, role in our society by degrading housewives and pushing them with with lies into a lifestyle that does not consist of freedom and self-fulfillment as it promised but of hard work and stress and a lack of self-fulfillment greater than that produced by the job of housewife or mom. They've devalued it. There was this plaque which read, I am woman, I am invincible, I am tired. (laughs) Yes, you know that feeling. So trying to do it all. Culture says this, church says this, God's word says this. Where do I take from? God's word. Listen, moms, you do make a difference. You do make a difference. Former president of Yale said, all I am and all that I should be, I owe to my mother. An American artist, Benjamin West, tells a story of a special day in his childhood, a day in which he remembers so clearly Benjamin's busy mother asked him to take care of his younger sister, Sally. And hoping to please his mother, Benjamin determined to surprise her upon her return with a painting. Thus he attempted a portrait, he said, and the subject was his sister, Sally. As you might imagine, Benjamin, the young Benjamin, wasn't too concerned about neatness, and soon paint was splattered everywhere, all over the room. It was a mess. When his mom returned, she ignored the mess. Instead, she focused on her son's performance as an artist artist, and said with much enthusiasm, Why, Benjamin? It's Sally. Then she stooped down and kissed her son on the cheek. That kiss, Benjamin later reflected, made me a painter. Your kiss, your role as helper and nurturer, it matters. It matters. Don't underestimate it. Don't let anyone devalue it. Be countercultural. Understand your womanhood. As Elizabeth Elliot put it, if you can understand your womanhood, you will know the fullness of life, the fullness of liberty, and the fullness of joy. Now, there's one last application I want to make really to everyone here, and that is enjoy our 
differences. Enjoy our differences. Celebrate them. Let's resist the temptation to say this is more valuable than that. It's not. It's just different. Why can't we enjoy the differences more often? Why do they have to become irritants? Why do we belittle one another for our God-ordained distinctions? I mean, singing in unison is nice. One sound is pleasant to the ears. But when we unite diverse lines of soprano and alto and tenor and bass, we call it harmony. And something deeper inside of us is touched. Is that harmony missing? Is it missing in your home? Is something inside of you untouched? See, God always knows what's good for us. He didn't provide Adam with a fishing buddy or another guy to race the cheetahs. He provided him with a gift of a woman, a helper suitable for him. And a woman is different. Her needs are slightly different. Her language can be different. What may seem like chit-chat to a man is livelihood to a woman. What we might view as circling around the airport, taking a long time to land, a woman sees as essential connections to the story. Men want to conquer. Women want to linger. You've got to be tough, we cry out. Women balance that with tenderness. Women value security, whereas men sometimes can have an attitude of, let's go for it. All of that to say, enjoy our differences. Man, you may at times feel like the Swiss psychologist who dedicated his life to studying the makeup of women. And after many years of research, he screamed out in frustration, what is it they want anyway? (laughs) You might appreciate that. A man wrote an article in a magazine expressing his frustration in trying to figure out a woman's needs. He said, women are very touchy about certain gifts, as I discovered years ago after buying my girlfriend a catcher's mitt for her birthday. It seemed to be a particularly thoughtful gift, especially since she claimed to not be getting enough exercise. But apparently she didn't see it that way. The minute she unwrapped it, she ran sobbing from the room. At first, I thought they were tears of joy streaming down her face. I figured she was so overwhelmed at being the first among her friends to have a catcher's mitt, that sort of thing. Or I figured she was so excited she couldn't wait to get outside and work on her throws to second base. But when she didn't return after a few hours, I got the hint. (laughs) Here I'd spend all the time running around from one sporting goods store to the next just to find the perfect gift. I mean, we're talking top-of-the-line model, and she calls me insensitive. I mean, you'd think I gave her a year's subscription to Field and Stream or a box of shotgun shells, which everybody knows should be saved for Christmas stocking stuffers. (laughs) This guy doesn't have a clue. Not a clue. Is it too close to home, though? God created them male and female. There are God-ordained distinctions between the two. There are unique differences as designed by God. Let's not allow culture to rob us the dignity in living out our uniqueness. Something's missing in the garden. I ask, is there something missing in your home because you're not functioning according to God's design? Men, is there something missing in your life because you've stifled your wife, you've crushed her spirit, and you haven't helped her to blossom? Is there something missing in intimacy that God would have for you because you've created a woman of your imagination 
rather than appreciate the woman that you have been given. Women, is there something missing in your life because you're looking for your value as a woman and achievements over nurturing and helping and comforting, inviting others to taste the Lord and see that He is good through you? And kids, is there something missing because you have not given your mom praise and respect and the honor she deserves? It won't come together if we've devalued women. What's missing? What's missing? And what needs to change since you can live out God's design for you? We are blessed when we function as God intended. Let's pray. Lord, again, thank you for moms. Thank you that you saw that it was good for man to be given a woman. Not to trample, not to abuse, not to misuse, not to devalue, not to treat as property, but to love, respect, and honor. And God, if that's missing in our lives and in our homes and our attitude, I pray, God, that we're to repent of those things. And God, help the women here to know that they have value in who they are because they've been fashioned by the creator God. May all of us take our cues from you and not the world who continually tries to squeeze us into its mold. May we resist that and follow your lead to be manly, to be womanly, and to live out as you intended so there we will find blessing. Help us in that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.